Welcome back to the God Revelation Podcast, where we teach and believe Revelation 1-3, which says, Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And the time is near, that is referring to here, is the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And according to God's word in Revelation 1-3, those who read the book of Revelation and hear the words of the book of Revelation and keep those things that are written in it will be blessed by God. Blessed by God. So we should be reading and studying the word of God in the book of Revelation and not running from it because according to God in his holy word, you will be blessed because despite the things that are going to be going on or described in this book, God said you will be blessed by hearing and reading it. And that is the purpose of this podcast is to focus on a in-depth study, a chapter by chapter look at the book of Revelation. We took off the month of July and we are glad to be back on teaching God's word, particularly out of the book of Revelation. It was not a planned time off, but life circumstances ultimately caused us to be uh, to take that time. And we thank God for it. But we're back and we want to continue and we're excited to continue to teach the word of God. We thank God for you for listening. We pray that you're being edified. We pray that God's word is being open to you, that you have a better understanding of this particular book and that you're being blessed per God's word. We would encourage you to share this program with others. If you're being fed spiritually by studying God's word, particularly this podcast where we're studying the book of Revelation, share that good news with someone else. Someone else needs to hear about this podcast where we're breaking down and doing an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. We as believers need to know what's going to happen and offer it to non-believers in the hopes and prayer that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and avoid those things that we're going to be talking about in this book. We as believers, we look forward to the return of God and the whole world should. But there's going to be things that's going to be happening. We're not going to be here. Believers, the followers and confessors of Jesus Christ will not be here, but other people will. But we want that number to be small as possible. And how do we do that? By offering God's word to them in prayer that they will come to salvation like we did. How did we come to salvation? We came to our salvation by someone sharing the good news of Jesus and his word with us. And so we should do the same thing with others. In fact, God's words command us to do so, to spread his word throughout the world. When he gave that commission to the disciples, that wasn't just for them, that's for all believers. We are not to hoard God and his word just to ourselves. It is to be shared with others because it brings them unto salvation. And so I encourage you to share this podcast and our other sister podcasts 
Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God podcast. That's where we're doing an in-depth study, chapter by chapter, verse by verse study of the New Testament, particularly we're at the time of this recording. We're doing the book of John or we're in the book of John and we're going to go to the book of Acts and so forth and so on. And the Holy Spirit podcast, which is about an in-depth study of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you to share those things. Share the website of RenewYourMindMinistries.org where you can find past and all future episodes of all three podcasts as well as point them to any podcasting platform. We're there as well. Spotify, Apple, you can tell Alexa, Amazon Alexa to play any of these podcasts, so forth and so on. All of these episodes will be found. So I would encourage you to do that. We oftentimes went to a good restaurant. We tell them about those things. Well, how much more should we be telling them about the word of God that can offer them salvation, that can offer them eternal life? Those things, telling people when you've had a good restaurant experience or seen a good movie and so forth and so on, they have their place. But all, thing, all those things are going to pass away. What's not going to pass away is God and his word and eternal life with him or a damnation. So if we're sharing the good news about other things, let's definitely share the ultimate good news of Jesus Christ and his word with them. Now, let's get into before we get into chapter six, we left off in chapter five, which we're going to recap shortly and we're going to do chapter six. And I would encourage you to now, if you don't already have your Bible open or open your Bible app to chapter six of the book of Revelation, we're going to continue our study. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for being an awesome God. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for being the living God, the only God. Lord, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace that you extend to us every day. But most of all, we thank you for your son, your only begotten son, Jesus, sending him to die for our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for obeying the Father even unto death, offering up your holy, perfect, and godly blood, sinless, perfect blood for our sins. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you will open up our minds, our hearts, and our ears to better receive and understand your word we thank you for it. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Now, in our last episode, which is a little over a month ago because we took a break, we were in chapter five of the book of Revelation. Recap chapter five. The church, and when I say church, again, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about true believers and confessors of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has been raptured out of the earth and are now in heaven. In chapter 5, we see John see Jesus as the Lamb of God because he was the Lamb of God. He was our sacrificial lamb for our sins, stepping up as worthy to take from God the Father's right hand the scroll that contains official verdicts and sentences against unbelievers on the earth and to open the seven seals thereof. And so that's where we left off. And again, we're going to do chapter six. And now chapter six introduce the tribulation hour upon the earth. Chapters six through 18 covers the events that's going to occur through this tribulation period. So let's look at, if you will, 
Verse number one is again, this Revelation chapter six, verse number one. I'm reading from the NIV version. Your particular version may be different, so your words may be different from the words that I am going to be reading. Verse number one, which says, I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. This is John, the disciple that is speaking. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. In verse number one, John watches as the Lamb of God, that's Jesus, opens the first of seven seals. And that's what this chapter is going to start off describing what happens after these seven seals, which represents God's judgment on the earth. When the Lamb removes the first seal, and again, the Lamb here is Jesus, removes the first seal one of the four living creatures that we talked about in the previous chapters, go back and look at, listen to those episodes if you missed them, shouts in a thunderous voice. The noise of thunder is a sign of impending catastrophe, as we're going to see. It is a command to the first horseman to come forth. Revelation 6 will continue by showing that the opening of each of the first four seals is followed by a living creatures command to come and as the horsemen respond calamitous judgment falls on the earth now verse number two i looked and there before me was a white horse its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest this is the antichrist and he comes to power through international peace or peace pack and Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 talks about this this is why the writer has a bow and not an arrow arrow so in other words this antichrist is going to come to power by offering peace instead of war but eventually we're going to see that peace is going to turn violently he conquers through diplomacy as a king thus the crown in fact, when he takes over the nations as it is via a world government, and we're going to talk about that in Revelation 13, this Antichrist is followed by three additional riders of judgment. Together, these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, bringing calamity on the earth, which has never been experienced before or after. So we see in verse number two, the Antichrist coming on the scene that's going to start the rest of these judgments to start to happen. Now, let's look at the second seal and verse number three of chapter six of the book of Revelation. When the lamb opened the second seal, again, the lamb is Jesus because he's the only one that's worthy to open these seals. I heard the second living creature say, come. And to have continuity, we're going to continue to on to verse number four. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its, its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other, to whom was given a large sword. The lamb here, Jesus, opens the second seal. The second living creature issues the command to come forth. We will see that every time a seal is broken, John, the writer of this book, the book of Revelation, sees what transpires 
on earth. And he's describing what he's seeing on earth. The rider on the red horse responds to the command to come and receive permission to take peace from the earth. A measure of international peace will prevail at the beginning of the tribulation. Because remember, just the, the prior verse talked about how the Antichrist is going to come on the scene by offering peace. But then we're going to see shortly this peace is going to go away. Paul warned that while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. We see there will be massive killings and war like never seen before this time. Let's move on to the third seal, which we read about in verse number five of the book of Revelation. We're going to read verse number five and six together to keep it in context and continuity. Verse number five. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the living, I heard the third living creature say, come, I look, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Verse number six. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. The color black suggests starvation and death. This rider on this horse is bringing starvation and death into the world, massive death. The scales suggest something was going to be weighed, judged, or measured. Scales have long been used as a symbol of judgment. When we think of our court system today, the Lady Justice, she's holding in one hand the scales. The previous verse explained that people on earth en engages in killing one another when the second seal is open. So it's not surprising that widespread famine would follow this horrific event. In verse number six, John writes that he heard a voice coming from the midst of the four living creatures. The voice announced that a quart of wheat was selling for a denarius and three quarts of barley cost a denarius. This passage seems to indicate a common experience in worldwide crisis. War and famine give way to inflation due to supply and demand. And I think we're experiencing that right now. We got a war in Ukraine. Inflation is going, is, is happening, which is leading to food shortages. So imagine in this time when the church has been removed, all these circumstances are going to increase dramatically. Dramatically, the world will, we wouldn't even recognize this world. But going back to when it talks about a denarius, a denarius in the first century was usually equal to a day's wage. An amount of grain given here is just enough to make, to keep one person alive. But more importantly, it would take an entire day's wage for a loaf of bread. Now think about that. Now that, that's inflation. When your one day of wages would only buy you a loaf of bread. And that is not too far-fetched. Look at prices now. I think God is giving us a preview of what's about to come and what we're seeing now with this inflation and these wars and the war that's going on. These are also the commodities of the common person, basic staples of life. Bread. 
Most people in this part of the tribulation are struggling just to meet their basic survival needs we're seeing here. However, the voice from the midst of the four living creatures also command, do not harm the oil and wine. Oil and wine in this context are less critical supplies, making them a form of luxuries. The implication here is that these are not harmed might suggest that the wealthy people would not be hurt by this economic and inflationary catastrophe, which we're seeing now. You know, billionaires are making more money than they've ever made before. They're not being affected by this inflation. And so we're going to see, at least to this point, this inflation and the daily staple of food is not going to affect them. But that's less than 1% of the population. Everyone else will be suffering. Think about that. If you worked all day and the only thing you could buy is a loaf of bread, people are going to be starving. People won't have enough to make it. Times, we think times are hard now. Times are really going to be hard during these times. But the good thing about it, as believers in Jesus Christ, we won't be here to experience it. And if you're listening to me and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, now is the time. Now is the time the rapture could happen even at any moment. And for those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would be left behind and would have to go through what I'm describing now. But the good news, if you at some point make it, there's going to be a break. And through the witnessing of, which we discussed previously, the, or will be discussing, through the witnessing of, these, of the 144,000 Jews, there'll be another opportunity to take that salvation. But who knows whether or not you would make it to that point. So now is the time to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and be saved from his wrath and these judgments that are coming. Because if he wrote it in his word, it, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Now let's look at the fourth seal. And we're going to read verse 7 and 8 together. Verses 7 and 8 out of the book of Revelation, chapter 6. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal... I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. Verse 8, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death. That's D-E-A-T-H. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. In these verses, we see the writer death aggravates the condition started by the rider on the black horse. The third seal unleashes hunger and inflation on the earth, but this seal produced mass starvation. Because again, think about it. If it takes you to work all day just to buy a loaf of bread, how are you going to buy and have enough money for the other necessities of life? You won't. People were going to be starving on a mass, a massive scale not only going to be starving, but starving to death. Remember, the rider on this horse is deaf. So it's just not like your belly is going to be grumbling. People are going to be dying from a lack of food on a massive, massive scale. The fourth rider is the deadliest. One-fourth of the world's population die in this judgment. Based upon the current world population, this death toll will be nearly 2 billion with a B, people that's going to perish. This is why the name is death and why Hades or hell follow him, because these people are going to hell. 
but that don't have to be you again. Take your opportunity today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Think about that. Two billion people dying from starving. That's a terrible way to die because you waste away. The body needs food. And if you've ever really been hungry, just that pain alone is unbearable. Now think about going through that until you die. Two billion people, if depending on how in far in the future that occur, because we're on a on a projection to have more billions of people on this earth, that number could easily be more, could be four billion. I'm telling you, you do not want to be here during these times and you don't have to be. You don't have to be. Just accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're going to be given an opportunity at the end of this, this podcast to do so. And I beg and I encourage you to do so. Death destroys, going back to the verse 7 and 8, death destroys the body with the sword also, likely in civil war and infighting. So we're not only going to have, we're going to have, because this verse mentions sword, wars are going to be going on. Infighting going to be going on because it said previous verses say people are going to be killing each other on mass on a mass scale. Starvations we've seen a we're seeing a prelude of that with these uh, mass shootings, pestilence, starving animals. Then and that's where the wild beasts come up come from because think about it: if people aren't eating, animals aren't eating, and the wild animals and animals are just not going to just starve. They're going to turn on people to get food. People are going to turn on the animals for food. Then hell swallow up the souls and spirits of those who are killed. That's why Hades is following death. Obviously, the tribulation is a dreadful time of judgment on the wicked. We believers ought to be thankful. And I am. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, that God has delivered us from this wrath to come. And he says those in his word, in his word. Read 1 Thessalonians 1.10. So when you talk about being saved, S-A-V-E-D, saved from what? This wrath that's going to occur, his judgment. And the only thing that can save you from it is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. No money is going to save people during that time. No false religion. Nothing. Nothing. But during that brief period where the gospel once again would be preached, as we we're going to see, taking that opportunity to accept Jesus one last time, if you make it that far. All right, moving on to verse number nine of Revelation chapter six. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. In this verse, that's verse number nine, we learned that when the fifth seal was opened, John saw the souls of martyrs under the altar. Because ultimately what's going to happen, and we're going to see for those who accept Jesus Christ during this tribulation period because of the rampant wickedness and because the Antichrist will be in control, most will be put to death for confessing Christ, become martyrs. And they're being mentioned here. These are the martyrs who believe in Jesus as Savior during the first half of the tribulation. These then would be people who come to faith after the rapture of the church. Our God is so great, even after he start these judgments on the earth, he's going to give people one last time to accept his son, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. And many will. We're going to see 
in a couple of chapters that many is going to be a great revival that's going to break out and people are going to accept him. But the unfortunate part about it, although all these things are going to be happening and the Bible and the word talks about in this book, they're going to know why it's happening, that God's judgment is on them. And yet they're still going to reject him. That is sad. That's they still going to reject him. But the good news, millions upon millions will. But if you don't accept him now, there's no guarantee because of all this other stuff that's going to be going on in the tribulation hour, the tribulation time, that you would be alive long enough for that period to happen. And a lot of people are going to die before that revival break out. And it all will be lost at that point. But going back to the scripture, these verses, it says that John saw the martyrs sold under, under the altar in heaven. Their bodies awaited resurrection at the return of Jesus to the earth. And you can find that in Daniel 12, 1 through 2. And we're going to talk about that later on, the resurrection of their body. Because remember, with the rapture, the, there's already been a resurrection of the believers prior to their bodies, prior to Jesus' return to earth. So these people, these people who eventually come to Christ during the tribulation would have to wait, wait on their resurrected body. And we'll talk about that later in, in later on in this book. Remember, the verses said that the martyrs were under the altar indicates that they had sacrificed their lives as an act of worship to God. Exodus 29, 12 instructed the Old Testament priest to pour out most of the blood of the sacrificial bull at the basis of the altar of the sacrifice. So it's not surprising to find martyrs under the altar because they're going to be sacrificed. They're going to be persecuted and they're going to be killed for confessing and believing in Jesus. These believers were martyred because they held fast to the scriptures and shared the gospels with others, which would be banned and outlawed. Because again, during this time, the antichrist is going to be loose. Satan is going to be loose. Wickedness is going to be abound. He won't be restrained and so they're going to be passing laws against teaching and preaching Christ. And for those who do, are going to be persecuted and ultimately killed. That's where these individuals are coming from. Under Satan during this time, hostile, hostile unbelievers have always aggressively opposed believers. Such, ha such hatred of believers will reach a boiling point during the tribulation. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But despite it being bad... And despite those knowing that they're going to be facing death or confessing Christ, they're going to do it anyway. Their faith and belief is going to be so strong. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to confess our Lord and Savior Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah and amen. All right, verse number 10 of the chapter 6. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. The prior verse mentioned souls had been slain for their witness of the word of God. According to this verse, verse 10, the souls under the altar cry out for vengeance. They want vengeance. They ask God, how long would it be before he judges and take vengeance on those who shed their blood for confessing? Jesus and the answer is going to be coming. Let's look at verse 11 right now. Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer. 
Just wait a little longer. And to the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. In response to these martyrs' question about how long it would be before God avenged their shed blood, God gave each of them a white robe and told them to rest a little longer. God would delay his vengeance until the number of future martyrs was complete because as they were getting killed, they're coming to heaven. But God is telling them, wait till all of them have been murdered in my name because of my name. Then vengeance is going to take place. So when will the vengeance take place? Revelation 19 makes it clear that it would occur when Jesus returned to earth in a blaze of glory. The martyrs' white robes signify their purity because of the blood of Christ. He makes them righteous. He makes them pure, not of their own works. Let's look at the sixth seal now in verse number 12, which says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. Continuing on to the next verse, verse 13. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as the figs, as the figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by strong when and let me say before we go into the explanation these things are to be taken literally these things are not symbolic unless the word says otherwise so when he talks about which we're going to get into earthquake happen the uh, the moon turning blood red stars falling from the sky these things are going to happen john visions here are descriptive of literal events a reference to actual natural disasters a horrendous shaking can occur and cause, can cause great earthquakes and extensive damage caused by tsunamis. Because you know, when depending on where the earthquake is, it causes a tsunami in the ocean and the blackening of the sun and the moon turning blood red may be from natural disasters of volcanoes occurring and spewing ash into the atmosphere, blacking out the sun and, and in certain parts of the parts of the world, making it pure red. But no matter how they occur, these things are going to be happening. The stars falling most likely represent a meteor shower that may be happening during that time. Jesus predicted such calamities. As I referenced before, the book of Revelation is not the only book that speaks about this particular time. Jesus talked about it. It's about, you can find it in the book of Daniel, which I've been referencing to throughout the Old and New Testament. But going back to Jesus, he, he talked about this particular period of time. Let's look at Matthew, if you will. Turn with me to Matthew 24, verses 7 through 9 and 29. That's Matthew 24, 7 through 9, verse 29. And I'm going to read it. Verse number 7. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Verse 29, 
immediately after the distress of those days, the sun would be darkened and the moon would not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So we see those things that just Jesus described in Matthew chapter 24, verses 7 through 9 and verse 29 are the same things we just talked about in Revelation. So even our Lord and Savior predicted things, these things will be happening. And they're going to happen. They're going to happen. No question about it. Moving on to verse number 14 of the book of Revelation chapter 6, which says, The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain island was removed from its place. Verse 14, John continues his description of what he saw when the Lamb, which is Jesus, opened the sixth seal. The sky convulsed like a scroll being rolled up. The exact implication John is making here is hard to visualize. John uses a Greek word which is used to compare and often is translated as, as it were or like. So in other words, the word that is used here, what John is saying is like describing is as if it were in like, not as if it actually was a rolling of the sky. But it was like that. But what made me think about how what he may be describing is the sky rolls or appears to roll. If you ever watch the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II, when you see that mushroom cloud goes into the air and descend, it looks like the sky is really being rolled up into a scroll. I wonder, is that what he's witnessing? A nuclear fallout, a mushroom cloud, which during this time is very plausible to be happening. All these nukes on our planet at some point, especially during these terrible times, will probably be used. But nonetheless, he's showing or describing what's going to be happening. And these certain natural disasters cause massive shock waves of air moving and wind, the sky being split apart. Seeing clouds racing due to storms or hurricanes and pressure waves may fit this description. These may be the things that may be causing these things. The earthquakes that's going to be going on. The hurricanes, because you got to think, nature is going to be going wild. When you have earthquakes, you're going to have tsunamis, you're going to have hurricanes, you're going to have volcanoes erupting. I was watching something the other day, and it was talking about killer volcanoes and how throughout histories, how volcanoes have erupted and the ash and the spear of the ash could be seen on the other side. Now, if you have tremendous earthquakes happening, that could trigger volcanoes erupting. I'm sure all this stuff is going to be going on. And that's what John is describing here, throwing ash into the sky where you can't see the moon, you can't see the sun for days because of the ashes in, there, in the atmosphere. These things are going to happen, and they're plausible to happen. This verse also talks about that the mountains and islands are going to be removed from their place. Earthquakes, tsunamis, and volcanic eruptions are consistent with, uh, consistent with the ideas of shaking, blocking out the sky, and even disruption of the sky and weather patterns. So these things are going to be so powerful, particularly the earthquakes, because if you, most islands are on fault earthquake, earthquakes fault lines. These things, nature 
uh, natural disasters, especially earthquakes, are going to be so bad that mountains are going to be moved. Islands are going to be moved. Now, imagine the effect of these natural disasters will have on the population of people on this earth. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Let's move on to verse number 15. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. Let's go on to the next verse, 16. They called to the mountain and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. These verses or the prior verses describe terrifying natural disasters associated with the lamb opening the sixth seal of God's judgment. There's a lot going to be going on. And then according to verse number 15, these judgments, these powerful and bad judgments unleashes, terrifies mankind. All these things that imagine if the magnitude of these various natural disasters is going to be going on. People are going to be scared. People are going to be afraid. People are going to be affected. No one feels immune to the disasters. Your money can't save you from an earthquake. Your money can't save you from a volcano eruption. Your money can't save you from a hurricane. No one is going to feel immune to the disasters that's going to strike in the heavens and in the earth. Every rank, this verse tells us every rank and file of society will panic. The rich, the poor, the free, the slave, you name it. They're going to be panicking because none of that stuff that we rely on and brag about now, that materialistic stuff is going to be able to save them, going to be able to do anything for them. This verse tells us that the heads of the governments, military leaders, the wealthy, the CEOs, the industry giants, the scientists, the influential figures, the free citizens, the enslaved people will flee to the mountains, hide among the rocks. In that day, the powerful will be powerless to withstand God's judgment. No one's going to be exempt. The wealthy would not be able to buy their way out of it. The scientists would not be able to think their way out of it. No influential figure would be able to persuade their way out of it. The situation everyone faced would be grim and deadly grim and deadly and verse number 16 shows us how dreadful the situations look to those who experience the lamb judgment from the strongest to the weakest among us among them anyway they urged the rocks and the mountains to fall on them think about go back to that verse and read it and hide them from god and the wrath of the lamb so they have come to the realization what's going on is a result of God's judgment on him. Let's read verse number 16 again. They, who is they again? They are the kings of the earth. In verse 15, the prince, the generals, the rich, the mighty, everyone. Now verse 16, they call to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of, of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. They realize what's going on. That's how bad it's going to be. They recognize that God reigns supreme from his throne. But yet they're going to refuse to repent and submit to his rule, which ultimately is going to cost them to be in hell forever, eternally. The people of earth at this point know that they're objects of wrath. 
more specifically, that they are the objects of the wrath of Jesus Christ, the Lamb. They know specifically who they're, who is bringing this on them. Jesus, Revelation 5, 5 through 7, the Lamb. He said he was going to bring his wrath and judgment on this earth, and this is going to be the time he's going to be doing it. And I, I cannot say it enough. Boy, girl, sir, madam, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to do it. And you're going to be given an opportunity to do it at the end of this podcast because tomorrow, the next minute, the next five minutes, not promised to us, and you do not want to be going through this time. Because nothing is going to be able to save you from God's wrath and judgment when he unleashes it on this earth. Nothing. And they even recognize in that verse that it's God is doing it. Jesus. Moving on to the next verse. Verse 17 of chapter 6. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can withstand it? The prior verses indicate massive terror in the face of the natural disasters. Interesting, though, these events seem to spur humanity to admit something typically suppressed. That is, an admission that God is God. God is God. And that's what's happening is his judgment. They recognize, they're going to recognize that what's going on because it's going to be a time like never before. And they're going to come to the realization this is God. This is the hand of God. And verse 17, those who call upon the rocks to fall on them and hide them from God's face in the Lamb's wrath believe the great day of their wrath has come. And it would have come. The great day of God's and Jesus' wrath has fallen on this earth. And they can't hide from it. They're so terrified. They want the mountains that they so-called will be hiding in to fall on them. They rightly interpret the disasters in nature's judgments from God and Jesus Christ. They identify the period of judgment as the great day of their wrath. Those who experience the judgments described in Revelation 6, 12 through 16 question who can stand in the day of the wrath of God and the Lamb? Who can stand all this? From their perspective, the answer seems to be nobody. Nobody can stand it. However, this question is partially answered in Revelation chapter 7 with the leading and the sealing of the 1,044 Jews who are saved during the tribulation and spark a massive revival, which we're going to talk about in the next episode let's pray father god in the mighty name of jesus we thank you for this time to praise you to lift up your holy name to give thanks honor glory we worship you in this time we thank you for your son jesus we thank you for your word we thank you for your will we thank you that you're holding back your wrath on us father we thank you for giving us mercy and grace and forgiving our sins we thank you for these things lord because you don't have to do it because of out of your love, you do. And we thank you and we praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. Now, if you're listening to me, I've said it throughout this program that if you are listening to this is by no coincidence. Now is the time for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If he's knocking at your heart, open up the door. Right now. Not tomorrow, not the next 30 minutes, not next Sunday. Right now, you can do it right now. Nothing in the word of God says that you have to accept Jesus Christ in a building. You can do it right now, and I plead 
and just beg you to do it right now. If that's you, boy, girl, sir, madam, beloved, friend, enemy, whatever you may consider yourself, do it right now. If he's tugging at your heart and say this prayer after me, if you believe it. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you. And I know now that I need a savior. And you have sent that savior. Your only begotten son, Jesus. And I accept what he did for me. We just died on that cross for my sins, for my rebellion. I accept that. I confess him as Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior. I thank you for dying for my sins. I thank you, Father God, that you raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit because he was perfect, sinless. I now make you Lord of my life. In the mighty name of Jesus, I confess and believe. Amen and amen. And if you believe that in your heart, then you confess it according to God's holy word, perfect and infallible, you are now saved from his wrath and judgment. You won't go through those things that we're describing. You will have eternal life with the creator of the universe. You will be heir and heir and joint heir with his only begotten son, Jesus. That means everything Jesus is entitled to, you are entitled to. You are now part of a royal priesthood. A God-left family. You are now a true child of God, not just a created creature, but what the word called a son and daughter. You can call him Abba, which means daddy or father, because he's now your father. You have a born again spirit. Now you can inherit the kingdom. And it's not about a feeling. It's about believing and trusting what he says in his word. And he said in his word, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and call on his son, Jesus, you are saved. And you just did that if you believe it and then you are saved. And so don't be looking for a feeling. If you have a feeling, that's great. If you don't, that don't change the word of God and what it means. Nothing in the word of God talks about a feeling when it comes to salvation, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's given us the formula. It's just simple as that. It's not about your works. Nothing any of us could do could earn salvation. Only thing that could earn salvation is a sacrifice of something that was perfect, and that was Jesus, sinless, perfect, the perfect sacrifice. Only thing we have to do is confess it and believe it. No amount of works is going to amount to that. Never, ever. Otherwise, he didn't have to die if you could do it. But he did, and he did it for you. And so I thank God for you. I thank you for this program and continue to listen to these programs and programs like it and continue to study God's word. It will change you. It has already changed you. I thank you for your time. I would ask that you pray for me, and I will pray for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.